0: Welcome back to the Blog Boy Roundtable presented by the Bay Area Examiner. We have four Blog Boys here with us today. Myself, Seth Barnador, Robert Steig, and Nathan Bond, all of the Bay Area Examiner and of DraftKing Networks. We have, with a new title of Michigan Assistant Scouter, Nick Simon. Uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll talk, let's talk first about last week's game, Then we'll get into uh, a little Michigan scouting here. Um last week we were kind of divided on that Penn State Ohio State game speaking of the Big 10. Ohio State covered. Nick and I both picked Penn State. Um Nick, I don't know if is, is James Franklin is James Franklin on Buster alert. Is he on Buster watch?
1: Unserious, just total unserious. Uh I, I trusted, I trusted James Franklin. I trusted Penn State. That that's on that's on me. That's that's my bad guys. For anyone who took my advice, that that that's on me. I should have I should have known better. They're just completely unserious. There's nothing else to say, like, oh my god. And the defense played pretty well, but Uh, That's just typical Penn State, man. They're going to go – it's the same every year. They're going to go 10-2. They're going to lose to the two teams that matter. They'll go to the Cotton Bowl or whatever and win that. And so technically it will be a success, but you can't beat the two teams that actually matter on your schedule. So, yeah, just a disappointment. (laughs) It'll
0: be interesting to watch them going forward as maybe – some of those games end up rotating off their schedule. If you know they pick up some of the newbies that come in, maybe uh, they can have a run. But yeah, it certainly seems like this was the year to get Ohio State, and they could not get them. Um, the other game from last week: Tennessee, Alabama. Alabama comes roaring back to cover the nine point spread. Uh, poor Nathan Bond. Uh, we were in the press box. He thought he picked Alabama. Uh, and he was cheering for the Alabama comeback next to me as we sat in the Connecticut press box. Unfortunately, he had picked Tennessee. So that hurt.
2: Yeah. Um, that was unfortunate. <laughs> I was, I was just so happy about, cause it was what, 20 to seven. And I was like, Oh man, yeah. my Alabama pick is just screwed. And then I'm looking through the notes uh, as we're kind of sitting in the press box. I'm like, Uh, i turned to you seth i'm like oh my god i picked tennessee (laughs) and he's like what i was like yeah i picked tennessee i've been rooting for like this was going on for like an hour and a half where i was like actively like actively rooting in the press box we were all but high-fiving
0: because i also picked alabama i picked i actually picked alabama plus not so
2: oh my gosh it was it was heartbreaking to to come to that realization that i uh I royally screwed that one up.
0: Yeah. And, but the reason you were checking is because North Texas was playing Tulane very tight. And you wanted to make sure that you didn't pick Tulane and you picked, you you picked North Texas plus an easy cover. Steve, you went off the board. Steve went three and one last week. He's now back tied for first. Um, Steve, you went off the board JMU minus three and a half. That was a big winner. And Nick, your off-the-board pick was uh, Michigan minus 24-and-a-half. That one came home pretty easily, and (laughs) I don't don't think they even needed the scout the signals for that one. So let's talk about it. Um, That's kind of the big story in college football now, the Michigan scouting. It's turned into a lot more involved than what initially came out. Initially, I thought it was a sign-stealing thing, and it was like, so what but it's turned into quite a an operation uh do any of you guys have anything to say about the michigan i do have some good design stealing stories that i'll get to after here but uh because it doesn't always work it doesn't always work out even when you know the place but what do we got anybody got something here nathan i think you might have
2: yeah uh talking to some folks who've played college football and in the pros um just kind of getting their take on it um One person uh, basically said it's a witch hunt. The NCAA is out for Jim Harbaugh for how they handled and acted during Burgergate. And uh, it makes a lot of sense that the NCAA um, would do this. And the one thing that I've learned covering college football and college athletics for the last seven years is if the NCAA gets on campus, they are looking at everything, and I mean everything. You want to know how women's basketball for USF got popped for some violations? It was because they were looking at Charlie Strong's USF football team. Uh, once they get on campus, they're, they're, the scope of the investigation ceases to exist, uh, so that is uh, where you're gonna get into uh, some trouble, and you know this this guy, he's been on one. I think would probably be the best way to to put it. A six hundred page manifesto based on Navy recruits, and he mentioned what four hundred plus Navy recruits, and had like their essay, like their testing results, bro. Rivals, and they do a fantastic job covering Navy recruiting, doesn't have a list of 400 Navy recruits. Like, what are we doing? Like, bruh. And on the flip side of that, Jim Harbaugh has not made any friends in his coaching profession. He has burned bridges left, right, and center. And speaking to a former college football player who, you know, has – uh some knowledge of the, the big 10 sphere and the college football and the, of that nature uh it's never the the guys around you currently that are going to get you hung it's the guys who are no longer on the staff and uh have a bone to pick with you that will get you hung out to dry for example say And not saying this is this person is in it, but this is an example of how much Jim Harbaugh has pissed people off in the past and why it seems like the uh, chickens are coming home to roost. Uh, He forbid a coach from interviewing at a different institution. Meanwhile, two weeks later, he was interviewing for the Minnesota Vikings head coaching job. That's the kind of person Harbaugh is. Uh, and it's just coming back to up. now. Sign stealing—it is a thing that's happened forever. But much like the New England Patriots, the Houston Astros, the Boston Red Sox—you can't use technology to steal. Just do it the old-fashioned way. Be honorable about your sign steal.
0: Yeah, I, I thought one of the most crazy things didn't did it say that there was like a fifteen? What was the budget? Fifteen thousand dollar budget, I think it was. Fifteen
2: thousand dollar budget is from the Washington Post uh, story, I believe.
0: How are they getting these tickets for fifteen for forty games for fifteen thousand dollars? Some of these are high price. I mean, some of these games are going to are high price affairs. They must have a guy. I don't
2: know, but I don't know why he was using his real name. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of (laughs) questions. It just just seems blatant. Michigan terrible at cheating.
0: The teams teams out west and teams up north just don't know how to cheat like the teams down south. Well, they, they, they haven't figured it out yet.
2: Multiple games that for uh, Ohio State games, multiple Georgia games. There's even one where uh, they were trying to help a team, a potential uh, CFB playoff team against uh, other future CFB playoff team, trying to help them out. It, what a mess. And it, you can gun guns in my head, I would almost bet Steve's life on it that Jim Harbaugh knew about quite literally everything.
0: Yeah, I mean, you had you had the Oregon cheating scandal that happened a few years ago, where guys were writing checks. I mean, you have this one, the guy using his real name to buy stuff. I mean, incredible. They need to they need to come down south and get a real seminar on cheating. Steve, did this rock you to your core?
3: No, I mean the the, <laughs> the funny thing is, like, it, so I, I think the way it rocked you was how like, it, like stupid it was. It, it's not necessarily how like like the, the 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 paying with it in his own name like that's just lazy you know but like i i just i see people coming out of the woodworks now. to like there was the it was on twitter um during the ohio state game you know the the, the ohio state offense like checked to the sideline and then the camera on the michigan sideline and all of them like did something to like tip off the play and everyone's like clear and blatant cheating and uh someone like a couple hours later was like, yeah, that play resulted in a touchdown, by the way, like Ohio state, like through like an 85 yard touchdown pass, like, uh, it, it, yes, a uh, sign stealing, uh, super wrong. Don't do that. Don't do that. But also, uh, you still have to like play the game. I just, I, I think it's hilarious because a couple weeks ago, um, at homecoming, I was with some friends who hadn't really gone to a USF football game in, in a long time, obviously don't know, um, Golish's thing. So they see the three, you know, Alvin and the chipmunks on the sideline for USF, you know, doing the signs and everything like that, but then holding up the black thing behind them. And they were like, why do they put up the black thing? And I told them, oh, it's because they don't want, you know, the the broadcast booth to, you know, show the signals that are given to the quarterback linemen and and wide receivers and everything like that. And uh, my friend was like, well, like there's the people on the other, side can still see it though. Right. And I was like, Oh Yeah. And they're like, so there's like nothing against like them like just recording what they're doing on the opposite sideline uh for signals and then just like taking that and knowing what the signals are. And I was like, no, there like is literally no rules against that. And then this comes out like nine to two weeks later. Just beautiful irony then in, yeah. in, in my world at least. Um, but yeah, th- uh stop uh stop getting your signs if, if you want your signs to not be stolen, uh don't.
0: Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, Nick, you are, uh, you're an assistant on the scouting team here. So, uh, you know, you guys got caught, you know, what is your reaction to the whole scheme falling down? Like a stack well, of a pyramid of cards
1: red-handed. We got, we got caught. You caught us guys. <laughs> Not really like this whole thing is just funny. Like the whole thing is just <laughs> like this man, I, this man Connor Stallions, which, by the way, like that is what a name. What a name, Connor Stallions. Um, it's
0: like an NXT wrestling name, almost.
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> you are going to see that man in the Orlando Performance <laughs> Center, in, like, because he'll because won't be banned from the state of Michigan. Uh, this man had an entire manifesto, like outlining how him and his buddies throughout college football are going to take over. <laughs> Michigan, Michigan's football program within the next 15 years. Like 2039, you're gonna see Michigan head coach Connor Stallions, and it's all gonna start right here. Him scouting across the country. Just hilarious. Just the United States, just hilarious. I don't really know or care for like what happens to Michigan as far as punishment goes, whatever. Just the whole thing's funny. It's hilarious.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, it's something really, uh, he seems like just a crazy person that is super single minded focused, And they just pushed him in this direction and said, yeah, you, you do, you do that. And he just went with it for, for sure. Um, but to me, initially I didn't think this was a big idea because science, science, ceiling, signal, ceiling is super common. Um, I remember a few stories from when I was coaching. Uh, we had one team that's you know signaled it in, and I was up in the box with our defensive coordinator, and it was the point where I'd just tell him what the play was before it was coming in. He'd call the defense, um, and when I didn't get the signal or they signaled something new, he'd be, he'd be turning to me and screaming, "What's the play?" I'm like, "I don't know all of them, right?" So he got so used to it, um, and then we won against that team. We played them twice. Signals stayed the same. They didn't change them, um. Then we played a team that was really good and they didn't signal they had number boards, so they'd hold up number boards, everybody checked the wristband and they made a big deal in the newspaper they changed them every week so people couldn't steal them. Well, you know, after two drives you just write down what the play was when they show the number. Um and we missed like 50 tackles and they scored 60 points on it. So it didn't it didn't really matter that we had the plays. Uh but my favorite sign stealing story I've ever heard um and scouting story I've ever heard is I coached with a guy whose dad coached. um, This was a a college coach. His dad coach was really, his his dad was a high school coach for a long time. So he knew the game. Um, They were playing somebody and they weren't quite sure what that team was going to do. How they were going to play him. So the, the guy's dad was up in the area. He said, I'll go watch their practice. And so he said, Oh, okay. So his dad went over there. Um, sat in the you know, sat in the bleachers, watched practice or practice in the stadium. A coach came up to him and said, Hey, you know what are you doing? And he's like, Oh, yeah, you know, I played here in the 60s. I'm an, a really proud alum. I'm in town for a couple of days. I'd really love to watch practice. And the coach was like,
1: Oh, sure, go ahead.
0: So he watched the whole practice and then called called his son right after, told him exactly what they were gonna do. They ended up crushing the team later that week. So <laughs> it happens. Uh it's a little more common than you think, but not maybe this organized at a psychotic level as uh Michigan seems to have done. But right. it, it's like,
2: I, I, there's a story. Uh, my best friend, he, he married uh, a girl whose dad and brother basically coached like pop Warner football. Like they were super into it. They, they were well off. So they had the headsets and they would go like, this is pop Warner. Like, loot Chiefs, like, like Pop Warner of the Pop Warner, they would go record the other the opponents' games and practices, and they won multiple Super Bowls doing that. <laughs> like it was at that, like it's throughout history. This is this is just a thing that happens. Um, typically, you don't want your name on it. And typically you've no. got burner phones and cash on hand to buy said tickets, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, that's the, the, that's the tough beat. And obviously, you know, NCAA is definitely looking for out for blood for Michigan. Um, and the one thing that kind of solves all of this sign ceiling sort of thing, mm. mics and the helmets. It's yeah. cost prohibitive for a lot of schools. I think it would help out. Um, I know a couple. I think some bowl games. Uh, yeah, you had that, or some. Non, I think the
0: non-playoff bowls are allowing it this year. So that's you'll get a look That's at a step
2: it. in. The, that's a step in the right direction.
0: Um, These are the same arguments that were made about instant replay. Once upon a time, it's too expensive, right. and then conferences started doing it in conference games, and then all of a sudden, I mean, you're seeing instant replay all over. So, I mean, you're seeing instant replay at some high school associations have instant replay. So I think it'll probably end up following a similar path where it may be instituted in a conference level and then people adopt it. So, all right, that's kind of all the news we've got. uh, Not actually, you know, when I first looked at this week, I thought it wasn't a great week in terms of games and it may not end up being one, but there are a few pretty good games and we've got three we're going to pick. We'll start with the world's largest outdoor cocktail party the Florida Georgia game. Uh Georgia is a 14 and a half point favorite in Jacksonville. The total is at 47. Steeg, you're Jacksonville's native son. Where, where where are you going in this game? So
3: the, the, the prodigal son. Uh Florida Georgia is always a special time in my heart. Uh I went to it one time in my entire life. Uh it is just it is a I can't curse. It is a it is a crap show i uh, down there at Everbank uh, during that time of year. So I try to stay away from it. I've got a funny story about that as well. Um, but uh, not funny is uh, trying to cover Brock Bowers. Uh, that seems like it sucks. And it seems like no one has been able to figure out how to do it. And uh, as much as I love Austin Armstrong, Florida, I'm uh, not too positive uh, they're going to have a matchup for him. So uh, give me a cover.
0: Now, see Brock Bowers is probably out for this game. Oh, he is! Oh, shows how much I paid attention. I think probably. Yeah. i believe he had. I believe he had. He had surgery last week, or was it a week and a half ago? So he's probably not playing. Nah. Does well, that change no, no, your pick I'm at all? I'm still
3: going to pick. Uh, no, because I think Georgia's still uh, for the time being in death machine uh, mode. So. so. I yeah, I don't waver in my in my pick.
0: Yeah, I'm picking Georgia as well. It just. Um, We'll see what happens, but just Florida's two losses this year are kind of to similar-ish teams uh, in terms of Georgia. Uh, if they can't, Florida can't run the ball. They have some problems. Uh, Georgia took it to them last year, pretty good. I'm just gonna. I'll, I'll go with the dogs. I Florida, kind of. You kind of got to see it. Now it is a high. This is a high, you know, spread with a low total, so. That's kind of interesting. But yeah, I'm going to stick with Georgia as well. Nick, which way are you leaning?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with the dogs. Um, Kind of similar to like what we were talking about with Red River last week, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. It's always a very interesting neutral side robbery. However, in recent years, um, Georgia has mostly dominated this robbery during the curvy era. Like in the last six years, Florida's only – uh, win came during the 2020 COVID season. Um, one thing about Florida's offense is that they have one of the they move at one of the slowest paces. They only run about two. I wrote it down. They only wrote it, They only run about two plays per minute. So if you're gonna go that slow, you better be consistently moving the chains. And that, buddy, that's gonna be a hard. Uh, that's going to be really hard against this Georgia defense, especially a defense that the best third down defense in the country. Their opponents are only converting 23.6% of uh, third down conversion attempts. So that's going to be tough for the Gators. So, yeah, I, I think Georgia just completely stonewalls them here. I also like the under hitting as well. I, yeah, just, I'm, I'm all over the Bulldogs here. It's, it's, it was an easy, easy choice.
0: Yeah, Florida is a very strange team in terms of they have a really good success rate, but then I think they lot penali- they get penalties and get themselves in third and longs of ton, and they're terrible on third downs. So, not great against this Georgia defense. Nathan, everybody else has Georgia right now. Which way are you going in this game? Oh, I'm taking Georgia
2: as well. Um, much like Penn State last week, like I got to see it against. Yeah, the I North think that's a good and- point. And. I don't think Florida's not, Florida's not there yet. I think they can get there, but they're, they ain't there yet. And it's, uh, yeah, I don't, I like Georgia, even without Brock Bowers. You yeah. know, right. he may travel, but he's definitely not going to play.
0: Yeah. They're, they're talking about him possibly traveling the game, but he shouldn't, he'll probably be out for a few weeks. Georgia's has an interesting stretch coming up, but. We'll talk about that maybe in future weeks. Next game. All our games are at 3.30, interestingly. Also, they'll all be happening at the same time, so we'll all be really happier. or uh, be really sad by the time 7 o'clock rolls around. Next one is Oregon is a six-and-a-half-point favorite going on the road to Utah. Utah obviously knocks off USC last week. Uh, the total is 48 Utah defense, you know, we just talked about Florida. They've been pretty good all year, but I think when they play the better offenses, they're not quite uh, athletic enough to match up. And I still don't think their offense is particularly great. Moving the ball against USC uh, <laughs> doesn't seem to be an issue for a lot of teams. So uh, I actually like Oregon to go on the road and cover this. Uh, Nick, where are you on this one?
1: I have I think this is going to be a I actually think this is going to be a tight game. I have Utah covering as a home underdog here. Um very interesting because this is this game is basically a Pac-12 like one of the first like pack true Pac-12 elimination games between two teams that already have a loss. Um it's kind of a unstoppable force versus a movable object sort of situation here because Oregon's offense, second highest scoring offense in the nation, averaging forty-seven points per game and seven point nine or seven point nine four point yards per play. But then on the other hand, Utah—they have the second best third-down defense in the country behind Georgia, tenth, tied for tenth in um, turnover margin. Again, that defense still really good. But I think the difference, what's going to make this game close, is that. Utah, like Rice Eccles Stadium, or Eccles, however you, pr- uh, however you pronounce it. Again, I mentioned this earlier in the year, very underrated venue in college football. It's very, very hard to, for opposing teams to go in there and win. Utah has an 18-game home, uh, home winning streak at Rice Eccles Stadium. So I think that's going like to play a, a huge factor in this as the home crowd is like getting loud and making Bo Nix's life, life misery. It's going to be really hard for them. I think it's going to be really hard for them to actually be able to go out and uh, win this game like, outright. So I'm going to take the Utes to cover close game. Oregon could still win, but I just think that it's going to be really tight.
0: And Whittingham is a really good underdog coach as well. Nate, where are you heading on this one?
2: Uh, so I'll, I'll take an Oregon minus six and a half. Um, you mentioned it, like, you know, he was still you know, able to move the ball um, and Oregon's, you know, pretty athletic as well. Uh, and their defense has a pulse. So I think that could yeah. prove dangerous for, um, for, for Utah's offense that, you know, they had a couple of bright spots. That final drive, we watched, you know, at that brewery in, in East Hartford, the, the only thing still living at 1130 at night uh, in East Hartford on a Saturday. Uh, so we watched the end of that game and it, it they looked pretty impressive on that final drive, it, but I don't believe that they could do that against that competent defense. And once again, I'm still asking, how does Alex Grinch still have a job?
0: Oh, I mean, who knows what's going on with Lincoln, right? <laughs> so, uh, I'm not sure. Steve, which way are you going in this one? Uh, you like the Utah home field advantage and that stellar defense, or are you riding with the Ducks?
3: Uh, I've been waffling on these, uh, these decks I've been waffling on for, like, 15 minutes now um, just because I can't make a damn decision on either one of them because, like, I, I love good, strong defenses, especially at home. I love Oregon's offense, and I think Bo Nix is phenomenal. Um, quite a quite a journey in what was it was at fifty four career starts and college football set a record or something like that. Uh, thanks, COVID. Um, I, I'm lean Oregon here, and I almost don't want to. I almost want to pick Utah at least to cover. I, I, I do think they win, but it might be like game another game winning field goal situation here. Um, so I I just.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna go with Oregon. Yeah, my my uh, Utah is like Nick said, one of the best environments. Um, I think Bud Elliott said earlier this week, or maybe even today, that he thinks it's like the best home field advantage in terms of like the gambling side, Um, which is interesting because it's not huge, but it's a great advantage. Um, Hoping if you're picking Oregon, I think you're thinking maybe that seeing that environment in Seattle for the Washington game, maybe prep for this but it's hard to tell if you're ready or not until you're in it so that should be a fun game uh another interesting game uh especially kind of after what happened last week with uh florida state kind of pulling out late against duke and kind of putting it on them late we have duke plus four and a half at louisville the total is at 46 i mean the real question is right is the court is Riley Leonard back at quarterback? Does there hasn't really been a ton of definitive statements on that? Um, Nick, where, what do you think? Or do you think he's going to be back for this game? Do you think they pulled him out as kind of a precaution last week or.
1: You, yeah. Like he basically, yeah. Mike Elko basically said that, um that they just didn't feel comfortable putting him back in the game. And. Again, similar to the last couple of weeks, it's just kind of his status. It's just going to be up in the air all the way to game time. Um, um Hold on. What did I write down here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we probably, yeah, we will probably won't know his status until like right before the game. Um, injury concerns on both sides because you have Riley Leonard on Duke's side where we don't know his status. And then for Louisville, coming off their bye week, they lost one of their starting offensive linemen for the season with a knee injury. And then their top rusher, Jahar Jordan, he's also dealing with a hamstring injury, so he'll be questionable. Um, So as far as this game goes, kind of similar to Oregon-Utah, this is kind of a de facto ACC elimination game because both of these teams are tied for second place in the ACC standing, so that's going to be a big deal. It's kind of hard to make heads or tails of who's going to win this game considering that both of these teams are literally right next to each other in SP plus in the top 30. I'm going to give the edge to Louisville here. I'm going to go with them to cover as a home favorite. I just think that them coming off, uh, they've had a week. They're coming off a bye week. They're at home. I think Brom is going to have his guys right, especially coming off that loss to Pitt a couple of weeks ago. And again, even if uh, Leonard comes, uh, Riley Leonard comes back, he's not going to be a hundred percent and you go with their, and it's clear that their backup is not really, their first and backup's not quite ready just yet to take the reins. So I have Louisville covering in this one.
0: Yeah. I, I've kind of the same, especially with the Leonard, the, if, if he's out, you know, if they declared him out, what would this line be? Would it climb to a touchdown? I don't know. If, I don't know how many points he's worth, but um, you saw the offense kind of stall out as soon as he left the game against Florida State. Uh, and he wasn't exactly lighting it up either. So I'm I'm on Louisville as well, being at home off a of bye. Um, it's just, you know, tough for Duke to kind of the injury situation, bit them at the wrong time. Uh, Nathan,
2: where are you on this one? Oh, yeah, I'm taking Louisville. Um, minus four and a half. I think uh Riley Leonard is Duke's offense, and I don't trust him even, even if he does come back, he is severely compromised because it's the same ankle you heard against Notre Dame. Uh, and I just that's just a lot of pressure pressure for a guy whose entire utility, I guess, is his feet and being able to move around. Um, and he was, he did not look great on Saturday. So I can't imagine the same injury, him looking better. Uh, so yeah, I'm taking Louisville minus four and a half, regardless if he plays or not.
0: Stig, where are you on this one?
3: So I decided to start writing down my picks, um, uh, before the show so that I can keep track of them. And so I don't come in as blind and annoy Seth if I'm doing well or not. Um, so for <laughs> this one, I put, I put five question marks and then Riley Leonard. On it. Um, and so uh prize guest picker. Uh hey Paige, who do you like between Duke and Louisville this week? She said Duke. Oh. So uh at a at a guest pick of the week, because I'm not gonna decide this one. It, <laughs> it's it's too much up in the air things. I I I think this Louisville team is is quite fraudulent at times. Um, I think this Duke team is quite fraudulent i don't like either of them uh i also have a personal vendetta against both of those schools so uh
0: giant meteor (laughs) the the old giant meteor game you gotta love Mm -hmm. it all right now we'll go off the board here steve are you ready to just go right back around off the board
3: oh i'm always ready to go right back around uh i always try to find a, a weird a weird sticking out score um, this one uh, off first glance, uh, air force, uh, favored by 13 against Colorado state, uh, air force getting a lot of love in the polls, getting a lot of love, uh, nationally, you know, turning kind of into the group of five darling. Maybe we see them, uh, crash into your six bowl. Um, I think they're a bunch of, um, uh, Buster Brown's over there at the air force Academy, uh, fake school, not, uh, not a real thing. Uh, they're not planes either um uh, obviously they uh coming off a pretty well good rivalry win over navy uh i watched the game um boy howdy that game was boring i always forget how boring the surface academy games are uh man i think it was i turned on the game it was fourth quarter it was like 13 nothing with like four minutes left and then all of a sudden Ty lavatai had to throw you know 13 more times and i was like good god this is terrible um colorado state uh has looked a little bit better over the last couple of weeks. And obviously this is a big rivalry game uh, as well within the state of Colorado. So I actually like Colorado state to cover that 13 point spread. Don't know if they'll, uh, if they'll pull out a win here, but they looked good last time they had a rivalry
0: that they didn't, they covered a big, I think that was a 20 point spread, right? So mm-hmm. Colorado state plus 13. All right, Nathan, where are you going this week? You got back on it with the the off-the-board pick last week, North Texas plus 19-and-a-half. They almost won that thing outright. Where are you going this week? Uh, Florida State minus
2: 20-and-a-half at Wake Forest. Um, Florida State's still really good. This is a very fun offense. Wake Forest does not have an offense, and I think uh, that win at Pitt was fraudulent, and Pitt sucks anyway. Um, and they're just terrible. And this is gonna be the best offense that Wake Forest has. And I have a personal vendetta against a linebackers coach of Wake Forest, and I hope Florida State puts 60 on them.
0: <laughs> All right. Nick, where are you heading off the board this week? You one easy you've gone Michigan the last two weeks. I think you had some advanced knowledge there. Uh <laughs> where are you going this week?
1: I'm going to SCC country, baby. I'm going Mississippi state Auburn under 41 and a half because boy, howdy, these two offense are butt cheeks, man. Uh, last week, uh, Will Rogers didn't play for Mississippi state. He was dealing with a shoulder injury and they beat Arkansas seven to three. Classic. Yeah. His um uh, his uh status is still up in the air. I think um next year we will be seeing Mr. Rogers at some Texas school that runs the air raid or air raid principals, because I don't understand why Mississippi State just almost immediately like pulled the ripcord from the old air raid system, RIP Mike Leach and Auburn's offense is just pathetic. Just absolutely pathetic. Like, yeah, man, it sucks that last year you weren't able to get uh, Grayson McCall, like land the plane with Grayson McCall. I guess there was like a issue with um, uh, transfer credits or whatever. And that's why he's still at coastal Carolina, whatever. But come on, man, you, you can do better than Pin Thorne and Robbie Ashford. It's just embarrassing. So yeah, man, this is going to be a really disgusting game. So give me the under for this one. It's just going to be absolutely horrible.
0: Yeah, that's that should not be a fun game. You've got some bad, bad offense there. And yeah, if Rodgers doesn't play, it could get ugly. Um, all right, so I really struggled uh, going off the board this week. I had like three or four I was looking at. I uh, changed my mind on them a few times. I'm actually going to go Tulane is playing at Rice. Rice is a 10 and a half point underdog. I'm actually going to take the over 53 and a half. Tulane has not been great at stopping the pass. Rice is pretty good at it. And we saw Rice's defense live and in person. They are not very good. So I'm going to go Tulane Rice over 53 and a half. So, we're all on Georgia. Nick is on Utah. Everybody else is on Oregon. Everybody's on Louisville except for Stieg and the guest picker. I've got Tulane Rice over 53.5. Nate's got FSU minus 20.5. Nick has a disgusting Mississippi State Auburn under 41.5. And Stieg has Colorado State plus 13. We'll be back next week to review these picks and preview the next week in college football. Please like, subscribe, leave a comment, help us game the YouTube algorithm. Thank you for watching. We'll be back next week.
2: Bye.